As I welcome Pastor Letzola up on the stage to share the word with us this morning, <laughs> I want to just say that Pastor Louis and Natasha, they are on annual leave this week and they are sending their love. Good morning, family. I trust that you are all well. I'm very excited to share the word of God this morning, but before I begin, I wanted to say, Pastor William has been saying, uh, perfect pastor, perfect pastor. I, I think imperfect pastor, Pastor William must just speak for himself, you know? Because I, I, I look at myself as a pastor and I go, uh, I'm not too shabby, you know? So just joking, Pastor William. When I welcome all the members, really it's been great to do the life changes with you. Awesome. This morning, I would like to share God's word with you. I'm very excited about it. Without any further ado, let us read together in John chapter 9, verse 1 to 7. John chapter 9, verse 1 to 7. Jesus is with his disciples. They are walking about, and his disciples identify a man who was born blind. A question is posed to Jesus. Who sinned? He did his parents sin, and how did this get to be this way? The Bible tells us about this story. So in verse 1 to 7, we read about what happened. And I'm going to go on with you together. Walking down the street, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, causing him to be born blind? Jesus said, you are asking the wrong question. You are looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do. Amen. We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here, working while the sun shines. When night falls, the work day is over. For as long as I am in the world, there is plenty of light. I am the world the light of the world. He said, he said this, and then spit in the dust, made a clay paste with the saliva, rubbed the paste on the blind man's eye and said, go wash at the pool of psyllium. Psyllium means scent. The man went and washed and saw. The man went, washed and saw. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word, Lord. This morning, Lord, we so appreciate, Lord, that your word is truth, your word is life, that it anchors us, it reminds us, Lord, who we should be and who you are in our lives. We ask, Lord, this morning as the word comes into our hearts, that, Father, Lord, you would glorify your name with the fruit that will come out, Lord, 30, 60, a hundredfold to your glory, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a very interesting portion of scripture, but let me just jump right into it. It says these words, and then these are the words that I wanted to highlight for you. When life is painful, where is God? When life is painful, where is God? Have you ever wondered when you're going through pain and disappointment, and you wonder, why does it feel like God is distant? Why does it feel like God is not answering my prayer? Why does it feel like God is, is not doing anything about my situation, about my circumstance? Have you ever wondered? 
Ha, ah, you're looking at me like that. <laughs> the thing is this, there's no such thing as a pain-free life. All of us experience pain and we experience hardship somewhere, some point in our lives. But throughout this pain, there is one guarantee that we get from the Lord. The Lord says this. He doesn't say that he will solve every problem in our lives. There is no such in the Bible. The one thing constantly that we continue to read in the word of God is this. God is always there with us. He always guarantees us his presence. He doesn't guarantee us everything will be all right. He doesn't guarantee us everything will have a solution. It's not gonna come up on your screens, but if you're taking notes, here are the three things I would like to highlight for you. There are three things when it comes to God's will. The first one is this. We are talking about God's permissive will. God's permissive will. There are things that we see God sort of allows to happen, yet they are evil, yet they are wrong, but they seem to thrive. They seem to go on, and we, we don't seem to, 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 to get away from this. There is God's permissive will. The second one is this. There is God's moral will. God's moral will. These are the ones we get from his word, the, the Ten Commandments, for example. Thou shalt love the Lord your God, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. These are the, 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 the moral laws of God, God's moral will. And then there's the last one, and that is God's sovereign will. God's sovereign will. When you read that in the Bible, it's as if the Lord is saying, when it comes to my sovereign will, that is none of your business. Because he decides how things are gonna be. You can't tell him, you can't give him advice and say to him, God, don't do it this way, do it that way. God decides how things are gonna work out. We read about this in Romans chapter eight, Romans chapter nine. He tells us that he is in charge, he's in control, it might not work out the way you think, but that doesn't change his plan. Let me summarize it this way. God's silence doesn't mean his absence. God's silence doesn't mean his absence. He is there through it all. When you're going through hardships, he is there with you. The question this morning is, would you have the faith and believe? Would you trust in him? Even when things are not going your way, even when solutions are not coming your way, would you put your trust in him? Here's a man who was born blind. The disciples are looking for a solution. They are looking for a solution, but their solution is to blame somebody. Isn't it what we normally do when we go through pain and disappointments? and something happens to us, we are looking for someone to blame. We are looking for someone to point the finger to. It's that one's fault. It's this one's fault. And in the same way the disciples were doing with this man, they knew Jesus can heal anyone. Why didn't they say, Jesus, could you please have mercy 
and heal this man. But instead, they're looking at who is wrong. Most of the time, we spend our energy, resources, so that we can be able to highlight who is wrong. Instead of looking for a solution, a way to solve an issue. And so when it comes to pain and when it comes to us being disappointed, we always look for a way out. But this morning, I'm grateful that we have the Word of God. Amen. The Word of God encourages us. It speaks into our hearts. It leads us. It guides our every step. And in the Word, this morning, I would like to highlight four main points. It sounds like I'm in number eight already, hey. But it's actually four main points. That was just an intro, warm up. I would like to highlight the four main points. When we are experiencing hardship, when we are experiencing pain and, and disappointment, this is what we must remember. When we experience the pain in life, the disappointments in life, we must always remember that God knows and he is never surprised. God knows and he is never surprised. He knows what needs to happen. There's never a moment or situation in your life where something happens and God goes, God is never surprised. He knows all things. He knows what's happening to you. He's not shocked by anything. And so we are called to live a life that puts our trust in him. Because even when we may not know, God knows. You see, we live in a world where Man's will is active. We choose what is right, what is wrong. We judge. We make decisions. We live in a world that is already broken. And yet, throughout all these things, God knows. He's never out of touch. And if you ever feel that God is out of touch, I would like for us to read this First Peter chapter 4. Let's read it together, verse 12 to 13. It says these words, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. God is there. God is actively involved in your situation in your circumstance. Allow him to lead. Allow him to to help you process whatever pain and disappointment that you may have. So when life gets painful, God knows and he is never surprised. He is busy working out a way for you. And you may never maybe experience it in this lifetime. But I want you to know, nothing happens in your life, in my life, and God doesn't know about it. I can put my trust in the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. Because I know who he is. 
I know who he is. Not to pursue him for only what God can do, but to pursue him for who he is. The second point I would like to raise is this. When life gets painful, God is not far, but near. God is not far, but near. You've all heard the song before. Very lovely song. God is watching us. God is watching us. God is watching us from a distance. Very nice lyrics. It's just not true. <laughs> the reason is this. God is not far. He is near. He says, I'm Emmanuel, God with us. He's not far. He is near. And we know this because God constantly assures us that through life's challenges and pain, he is near. And we read this in Psalm chapter 34, just as one of the reminders of what God says to us. It says these words, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their what? Their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them and delivers them from out of all their troubles. Just that, let's just pause right there. The righteous cry out, and the Lord does what? So when you cry out, God hears you. When you cry out, God hears you. And I like what it says, and delivers them out of all their troubles. Hey, I love that portion of scripture. It doesn't say most of your troubles. It doesn't say some of your troubles. It says what? All of your troubles. God's desire is that through all those troubles that you will seek him, seek his will, seek his way, pursue trust in him. God is not willing that we just go through life and we, and we just, you know, uh, just take a walk. No. Through life's challenges and pain, God teaches us. He helps us to, to gain how his character is like, how he wants us to respond to him. When life gets painful, God is not far but near. Not only is he near, when you cry out, he hears you. Not only does he hear you, he delivers you, goodness of God, in the land of the living. We are called to put our trust in him. Perhaps you are sitting here this morning and you are saying, God, I am disappointed in you. This and this couldn't work out. I'm sick and I'm not getting healed. I lost a loved one, Lord. How could this be, Father? You know I don't have so much money, but I lost my job. There are so many, many difficult things that we go through. But this morning, the word is reminding us, God is not far, but God is near. God is not far, God is near. The third point I would like to raise from this portion of scripture is this. When life gets painful, 
God is not fair but just. God is not fair but just. What does that mean? Fairness is when I have a full loaf of bread and I give everybody their 50-50 percentage. That's fair. It's okay. It's okay. But there's a story in the Bible more than once we read different stories where God doesn't seem to be fair, but he is constantly just. There's a parable that Jesus mentions of a man who went into the marketplace and he needed people to come and work on his vineyard. And when he went and he got them in, he promised them the same amount of money, but as the hours went on of the day, it was like less, less time to work on the field. And when that took place, the guys that came earlier and they worked longer and harder, they complained and said, but ah, Jesus, oh, woman, how can this be? Jesus, you you called us and we worked since nine o'clock and you're paying us the same way you are paying the guys who are coming in now at 10 to four. (laughs) This is not fair. When God looks at our lives, he doesn't look at fairness. He looks specifically at justice, just the right thing out of the circumstance, the best outcome. He's a righteous judge. And I can hear some of you are saying, Pastor Lazulu, how do you know that? Thank you for asking. <laughs> it tells us in Psalm chapter 89, it says these words, righteousness and justice are the foundation of what? Of your throne, mercy and truth go before your face. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. His very throne is built on these things. But I love it. It says, mercy and truth go before your face. Interesting, hey, right standing of God, the justice of God also has the mercy of God. Oh, man, (laughs) I love this stuff. It's so cool. There is mercy when it comes to God. Mercy in the situations and the circumstances. God is not fair but just. If you don't believe me, you can read in the book of Revelation. Some saints, we are told they have, they have crowns. I don't know if I will have my crown though, you know. Um, yeah, but we'll see. As long as I will be in heaven, that's what matters. And God looks at this and he decides. It's part of his sovereignty to decide such things. And we are called for us to constantly put our trust in him, put our hope in him. I have a couple of people in my circle lately that have been trying to invite me to um, learn how to play, how to play golf. They are good uh, golf guys, if the guys can put up a picture there uh, for me. They, they, they play very good golf, and, and they are tagging my, my, my jeans like this. They are tagging my jacket, wanting to come um, and play with them. Uh, I did go once and, and twice. Ah, uh, shame, three times, no ways. Uh, <laughs> some things, they are just for you. Some things, they are just not. And, <laughs> but uh, they are patient with me, and so I'm learning, I'm learning some, some few things. And I went and I did the research a little bit about the, the golf game and its, 
its background and everything else. If you look at every golf ball, it has these like dimples. Can you see them on there? These like small little uh, dents. Apparently, there was an accident because when in the, 18, in the 1800s, around 1886 or so, when, when the, 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 the game of golf came on, they were playing with a normal little white ball like this without these uh, dimples. And they would play and they would hit the ball, but the ball wouldn't go that far. And then one day, there was this reverend that was also tugged by his few friends, and he went to play, but he used the same ball over and over again. But every time, his swing just looked to be a little bit better. His balls just looked like they were going a bit further than normal. And they were thinking, yo, how do you do that? You know, maybe they thought it was like by grace or something, that his, his ball just kept on going further and further, only to find that the new ball that didn't have dents on it couldn't go further, but only the old balls that they had, they would go a little bit further. And so they went on and they did a research to find that when the, the ball has these dents on it, they are able to go a little bit further. That's why we have a, ball, a golf ball that looks like that today. And this just hit me again to say, isn't it like that in life? When you have experienced some hardships, some, some dents, some, some dimples in your life, some scars in your life, you, you, just, you just look at these people and they are very inspirational, isn't it? When they share their story, it's like there's God in it somewhere there, you know? Even when they would never say anything about God. And I just felt that sometimes when you go through life and we have these dimples and everything else, we must continue to, go, to put our trust in God because he's the one who is helping us to go further. To go further. You cannot go further when you do not have those dimples. You cannot go further when you do not have those marks and those scratches, those scars, that pain. Your story, perhaps, is someone else's healing. Your story is someone else's help. Your story is someone else's restoration. This is how God works with us. So we must put our hope and always our trust in God. Point number four I wanted to highlight is this. When life gets painful, God is not hate but love. God is not hate but love. God loves us. He, he, he gave us Jesus in in Romans chapter 8, it tells us that if he gave you Jesus, what more can he withhold from you? He gave you the best of the best. He gave you the best of the best. What else can he withhold from you? And yet sometimes we feel like God is holding things away from us, isn't it? And the enemy lies and the circumstances are dictating how we must view our God. But the Bible tells us that God is not hate. God is love. God is love. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, 14 to 16, it says, Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We do not have a priest who's out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all. 
all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Take the mercy, accept the help. We do not have Jesus who doesn't know what we are going through. We do not have a God who's never experienced what we are experiencing. We have a God who understands it all. We have a God who's also experienced it all. That's why if he gave us Jesus, he will hold nothing back from us. This morning, perhaps you are holding it back. You are holding the pain and the disappointment. And you're saying, God, how could you do this to me? God, this is, didn't work out as I thought it would be. I want you to put your trust in God. I want to encourage you to draw close to the Lord. Because God is not surprised. God is not far. God is not just fair. God is love. He wants the best for you. He wants to draw you near. And he wants to change your life. There's a man by the name of Pete Gregg. He started a movement called the 24-7 Prayer Movement. And apparently if you read his his record, you would find that he's been leading this, this ministry for the last 20 years. And Pete Gregg, the ministry has gone to a place where 78 nations are doing this prayer, 24-7 prayer movement. 78 nations. He's got over 22,000 rooms or places where people pray constantly. He's got over 500 prayers just going out unto the Lord every single day. This man has done great things in terms of prayer. But Pete Greg has got a wife. His wife is called Sammy. When 20 years ago, when she got their second child, Sammy, the wife of Pete, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And they had to make a big decision. And they decided that they're going to operate and so they operated on her and removed the tumor. But ever since they have operated and removed this tumor, Sammy has had these very heavy epileptic attacks. Out of the blue, she would just be epileptic. And she would fall and she would throw up and she would be feverish. Every time when she experiences one of these epileptic attacks, she would have to be rushed to hospital. That's how intense it is. She would take between two to three days just to recover from one of these epileptic attacks. And yet, Peter has been praying, or Pete Greg has been praying for more than 20 years for this. With the other prayer groups and all these people that he knows that are praying, and God still hasn't healed Sammy. God still hasn't healed Sammy. But Pete continues to put his trust in God. He doesn't stop the movement and say, there's no need for a prayer movement if God cannot heal my wife. He has learned to walk with God and to walk with God by faith and said, God, even if you do not come through, even if you do not heal her, I will still praise you. We were seeing it now. I will still look up to you. I will still put my trust in you. Here's the reality of the story. All spiritual food is sacrifice. All spiritual food is sacrifice. 
what you experience and what's going on in your life. It's a sacrifice sometimes to encourage others, to remember the goodness of God. In all of our lives, in all of our lives, no matter what we have gone through, no matter what we have experienced, there is nothing that will outweigh God's blessings upon your life. God's blessings will always outweigh the pain and disappointment and challenges you experience. Sit down and count how much God has done for you. You will see that God has done greater things, far more than you ever thought possible. That is the goodness of God. The last scripture I would like to close with is in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. And it's this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Fear the Lord and shun evil. God's heart for all of us this morning, through our pain, our disappointments, when life is painful, God is near. When life is unfair, God is just. When we do not know, God is never surprised. He knows. God is calling all of us that may have pain and we are disappointed in our lives with certain things. God is calling this morning. Bring that pain and disappointment to him. Put your faith and your trust and your hope in him. If you are here this morning and it's you, I would like to invite you to please stand. I want to pray with you. I want to pray that God would be the one who touches and heals you. That God would be the one who relieves you of this weight. The weight that says that you must carry it. The Bible tells us that we must cast all our anxieties unto him. It tells us that we mustn't worry about anything. Instead, we must pray about everything. That is in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. So if you are here, please stand and let's, let's pray together. If you are here and you have the pain and disappointment, and you said, Lord, I do not think that you are capable of this, I want to pray with you. Father, I want to thank you for individuals that are standing this morning. Where, Lord, there's pain and where there's been hardship, Lord, and disappointment. Lord, you know each life, each heart, Lord. I pray, Father, this morning that, Father, this day, this day they would throw it back to you. They would give you, Lord, their pain, Lord. They would give you their disappointments. And they would say, Lord, our trust and our hope is in you. Our faith is in you, Lord. Father, forgive us where we missed you, where we, we, we blame you, Lord, for things that are in this world and it's not even you. But, Father, we ask you that you would help all of us, Father, that are experiencing these hardships, this pain and disappointment, that we will always cast it to you because you care for us. Bless your children, Lord. Keep them, Lord, having the faith in you. And may they finish strong because they choose 
to walk with you and to put their lives in the palm of your hand. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you all. I would like to invite everyone to please stand and let's pray. The Bible tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And I pray for all of us that we may consistently call upon the name of the Lord and see him move in our lives. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I pray for, for everyone, Lord, here this morning. Thank you, Father, for your hand upon them. I pray, Lord, that you will bless them, Lord, that you will keep them, that they will experience you in their lives, Father, Lord, the presence of God that they would hear your voice like never before. Father, Lord, I pray that you will bless the, the work of their hands, Lord, and what they do. I pray, Lord, that you would advance, Lord, your cause, your, your will for them in their lives, in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father, Lord, that nothing is impossible with you. Our responsibility is to trust in you. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that they would experience you like never before. Thank you, Father, Lord, in Jesus' name. May it all be to your glory, Father, ultimately, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you all. Thank you. Have a great week.